0: Today's scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 1220. If you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bibles, we are on page 959. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense in hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body.
1: Good morning. I'm glad we all made it here this morning. And before we get into 1 Corinthians 12, as we take a couple uh, weeks off from Hebrews. We're talking about the life of our church. As we head, as the summer comes to a close and we head into the fall, um, we are focusing on our body life. We're talking about our ministry fair and how we can all come together as a church and serve and contribute in different ways. So I'm going to welcome Chelsea up to share a testimony. Chelsea is one of our uh, really wonderful volunteers who serves with our children's ministry and she's going to come share a word with us.
2: Good morning, everyone. Uh, For those of you who haven't met, I'm Chelsea, and I've been going to Regen for about three years and have been serving in the children's ministry for most of that time. Um, So there's something in the elementary classroom that we do called I Spy, where you get to put on these huge, colorful glasses and share about where you spied God in your week. So it might sound kind of trite, or cliche, or maybe even insignificant, but this practice has challenged me to think more about God in my day-to-day life. So when we do this activity, actually more often than not, hearing the responses of the kids is kind of challenging to me. They share such simple and sweet things like, I got, I got a new puppy, or we had ice cream, or I won my soccer game, And my critical adult self thinks, really? That's not God. That's just a nice thing that happened to you. But it's really challenged me to think about my paradigm. Are good things just coincidences that just happen to us sometimes? Where is God in these small things? Would he really use his power and influence in these small things? So these questions have brought me to a couple different scripture passages james 1:17 says every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights and matthew 7:11 says if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him our father is a giver he knows how to give good gifts so do i recognize him as a giver and do I have the humility of a child to see God in the simple gifts and to be, con- to be content with the simple gifts, simple gifts such as the small victory at work or in my attitude or in how I handled a difficult conversation, running water, an encouraging text or conversation, a bed, good food, or just food, period? Maybe ice cream or winning a soccer game or a new puppy or the things I just listed aren't perfect gifts, but I think they're pretty good gifts. So if I asked you, where did you see God in your week, would you point to those things and say, God gave me a bed to sleep in. He provided food for me this week, and it was delicious food. I got to eat pizza from my favorite restaurant. He encouraged me through a text from so-and-so. So the second question is, do I have the courage to say that God would be involved in these little details of my life because he loves me, that he really does love me and he really does see my every circumstance. He knows what I like and what I dislike. He knows how to encourage me and make me smile. So do I have the humility to see God in the simplicity and do I have courage to believe that he would be involved in these little details of my life so the thing that i've seen in children's ministry is that these kids they do they have the courage and the humility and it's amazing it's incredible to watch and it's inspiring Um, this is probably why god says that we should become like them in order to enter the kingdom Uh, So there are things that we as adults know that we can share with these children, but these kids have God-given qualities that we must study and learn from. So what better way than spending time with them on Sunday mornings and engaging in lessons and conversations about faith? So these are just a couple of the things that the the kids in children's ministry have blessed me with over the years, and I hope that they can bless you as well. So thank you for listening.
1: Thank you, Chelsea. This isn't in my notes, but I was listening to Chelsea talk, and I remembered a couple weeks ago, I was talking to my youngest daughter, who's 10, and talking to her about, like, how's school going? Like, how do you enjoy going to church and Sunday school? And somehow, in the conversation she mentioned, oh, and I love Chelsea. (laughs) She literally was like, Chelsea is so cool, I did jiu-jitsu with her and I was in the class with her, and she just got this, you know what I mean, this like burst of joy, like, you know Chelsea? I was like, I know Chelsea too, like, she's cool. Um, And it was this moment of realizing, right, like there's this simple way of serving with the children, Um, and then to see like my little girl have this moment of like, oh, like this works for me, partly because of someone like Chelsea, right? Someone like Chelsea connects with me, I like her, I feel good when I, you know, I hear about Chelsea and I see my daughter light up was like, oh yeah, this illustrates this whole 1 Corinthians 12 body of Christ thing, that we contribute in different ways, and they really are necessary, right? And we're connected, this network of friendships and community um, all together. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12 this morning and really look at this idea of how do we do community life together? In all, with all of our uniqueness, all of our difference, how do we come together as a church community um, and make this work, and it takes all of us. Uh, would you pray with me, and we're going to get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12? God, thank you that we made it here. Um, and God, even thinking about this passage, God, we all come here from different places. Uh, some of us feel totally alive. Some of us feel totally a part of this church and welcomed and loved. God, Some of us feel like a stranger or feel like we're new or feel like we don't know where we fit. Um, this morning, God, would you encourage us that we do fit? Um, and would you challenge us that we need each other? Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to give a little, a little background on Corinth as a city and the church before we get into 12 and really jump into this really, really what I think is a really cool, interesting illustration about the body of Christ. Um, this city of Corinth uh, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter, which is 1 Corinthians, to a church in Corinth. Um, the city of Corinth was an interesting city, um, which made the church an interesting church. Uh, Corinth was actually built when Julius Caesar sent a bunch of free people who had some means um, and some wealth from all over the empire, and he sent them to Corinth. to kind to of repopulate it. So Corinth was birthed out of all these young men with some money and wealth and means moving from all over the empire moving to Corinth and kind of boosting up the city. And it became an important hub of commerce and activity and some wealth. And there's some really interesting quotes um, I found about the city of Corinth from, 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 from from, excuse me, from some historians of that era. One of the quotes was that Corinth was known for having a quote, generally superficial cultural life. They had a reputation for having a generally superficial cultural life. Another quote was that they had wealth without culture. Wealth without culture. Another quote was that their behavior was often, quote, disgusting, coarse, and objectionable. Um, another quote describing people in their city who had a lot of need um, was that there was a lot of, quote, groveling of the abject, wretched poor for the smallest morsels of food. So you have this city with great wealth and people of means who can be mobile, and you have in this city people in abject poverty, begging for scraps of food in this city of Corinth that basically has a bad reputation for having no culture and just a lot of wealth and people are trying to have fun. Not a lot of beautiful things, though, um, happening in Corinth. So Paul writes this letter to this church in Corinth that is in This city, And Paul writes the letter, and there are names that are Latin, that are probably of Roman descent. There are names in 1 Corinthians that are Greek, and we believe there were Jewish people in this church too. So you have a church in an interesting city. Uh, There's socioeconomic diversity in both the city and the church from reading 1 Corinthians, and there's a lot of racial diversity in this church of Corinthians. And they're trying to work it out, and it appears that they are not doing it very well. Because if you take a quick review of the beginning of 1 Corinthians, it seems that they're really having a hard time working out how to be a church together amongst all their difference. So I'm going to read you a few, like a quick summary of the first 11 chapters. Uh, Chapter 1 says they were quarreling because they all wanted to follow just one of the leaders who were competing. So some said, I follow Paul. Some said, I follow Apollo. Some said, I follow Cephas. And they had like, a, like a c- competing leaders of who you would kind of show your allegiance to in the church. Chapter 3 says they had jealousy and strife. Chapter 6 says that they would have lawsuits within the church. So people in the church body would be in a church service and then sue each other in the courts during the week. Um, chapter 11 says when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. Right? So there's church potlucks. You're feasting and getting drunk, and the person in your community is over here with nothing to eat, and you just keep eating and getting drunk while they're over here with nothing to eat or drink. So Paul's pointing out you're having some issues, right, as a church community of how you do this and how you come together. So let me write you a long letter... Explaining who Jesus is, explaining theology, but also explaining you need to figure out how to be a church body in a new way. So I'm going to challenge you and encourage you that you could be a body of Christ um, together. Now this is a long time ago in a different culture, and I'm struck sometimes when we study the scriptures and even read historians from that time how it was such a different time period, but they faced so many of the exact same things. Being in a city with wealth and poverty. Being in a city with very different backgrounds, and then trying to be a church together with people of different interests, different backgrounds, and trying to figure out how do we come together, love each other, be a church body together in all of our difference, honoring all of it together. And the reality is that's not easy. It's hard and takes a lot of intentionality and even a lot of understanding of God to do that. So I'm going to read verses 4 through 11 and jump into this. Now there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit. There are varieties of service but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing, by the one spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, when, we, when I study a chapter like this, I like to first look for words or phrases that come up over and over and over again. And in the first couple of verses, there's this word varieties that comes out. If you look at verses 4, 5, and 6. So there's a variety of gifts. There's a variety of service that we do. There are a variety of activities that we do. The NIV translates it different kinds. Different kinds of things that we have been given. And in the original Greek, the way Paul writes it, he's referring to this idea of things being distributed or allocated differently to different people. Okay, things are distributed or allocated differently. And I was thinking about this idea of of that God allocates things, different gifts, different backgrounds to different people. Um, And I was thinking about this summer, I had to have a lot of work done on my house, way more than I wanted to for a lot of different reasons. I have a 100-year-old house, and I haven't done any maintenance for 11 years, and it just, it all hit the fan at one summer. And I had this point at which there were like 10 to 15 men working on my house, on both side yards, in the driveway, and underneath my house at the same time. And I would come in the morning and like, try to say hi to these guys and try to you know, be friendly and offer water. And they're like, we have water, we have Gatorade, but thanks, it's like we, we, we're good. And I would notice that they were all distributed different things to work on the same project, right? Some people did really just straight manual labor. Like they got things to break things. You know, like they, were giving, they were like, break up that part of the foundation. Break up this thing under the house. And they would just break things um, some people had shovels and they were just like digging holes. Some people had picks to dig holes. Some people were doing more different kinds of labor. Some people were measuring things. Some people had nail guns and they were getting ready to nail things. Some people were measuring and then using a circular saw in the front yard. But the foreman would like literally distribute. Okay, you guys get these saws. You guys get these, you know, hammers. You guys get these things to break things. And, you got, and they would just distribute to each different person a different thing that they would use that day. But they had the same mission to fix this broken old house, but they all were given a different thing to work on it. And we've all been given different tools for our life, different gifts, different things that we bring to the table. They've been distributed to us, and this chapter says the Spirit gives them to us, but they're given differently to us. Different gifts, different tools to use in the community. Um, Now this section is talking about spiritual gifts, but the first couple verses I referred to, the varieties of gifts, varieties of service, varieties of activities, really points out this isn't just talking about a few specific spiritual gifts that we think about sometimes, Paul writes about, but this concept concept is about all of it. When we come together, if we're in a worship service, if we're in a home group, if we're talking to people outside, right? If we're serving homeless people, if we're hanging out, if we are going to lunch, all of it, all those different kinds of things that we do, we bring different things to the table in the group. We have different gifts that we can offer to that moment in time in the life um, of a church. But it's the same God who gives it, the same Spirit who gives the gift, but they're different gifts. Um, This next verse, verse 7, says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And I love this little verse, and I hadn't really noticed it until I studied it for this message, that these gifts are given for the common good. Whatever gifts you have are not just for you to make money or to provide for yourself. They're not just even for your um, small individual family or small friend group. Not just for your boyfriend or girlfriend or for your roommate, but these gifts were given to you for the common good, for the common good of all of us together, to be given and offered to the community who needs those actual gifts, so that we can flourish together for the common good. The other verse, the other word that's repeated over and over again is this idea of, in Word of the Spirit, that the Spirit gives these things. We didn't earn the gifts that we have or the place that we have. Now, yes, we work hard, yet, and we we pursue education, but the reality is is that this verse says, this chapter, says, the Spirit gives us gifts. God creates us in a certain way with certain unique gifts and talents that only you have in the unique way. And God has given you that. It's not all of your own effort or your own self. God gave it to you. The Spirit works in us. The Spirit works through us, and the Spirit empowers us to bring these things to the table. And we believe that God is still doing that. That God is still us in 2019. That God is giving us and has given us and given all of you different gifts so that you can serve the common good. Now, I'm gonna read this next section. Paul starts off with this thing about gifts and a variety of gifts, and then moves into this, what I think is a beautiful, epic illustration about the body. So I'm gonna read a longer text than I like to read, so promise me you don't fall asleep. I always get worried if I read like a super long text somebody's gonna check out. So please focus in. This is a really beautiful illustration that Paul gives. So starting in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of the same spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear would say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body was an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body was an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So before we talk more about this body, I'm gonna ask you to do something that if you're an introvert, you might hate it, but you'll survive, okay? And I'm an introvert, so I would hate it, but I would push through and survive. So I'm gonna give you three minutes. I'm gonna ask you to get with three or four people around you and to share Uh, two questions I'm going to ask. Number one, what is a gift, talent, or skill that you have to offer others? And this can be like a spiritual gift right out of 1 Corinthians or another uh, one of Paul's letters, or this can be just something that you have to offer. Okay, this is broad. What's something that that, that you you know you bring to the table? And it can be anything. Um, And then number two, what's an area of life where you have very little gifting skill or talent? And this is kind of meant to be for fun. So share something that you're really not good at like at all that you like have very little to offer in okay just for fun um so the first one this could be like i don't have the gift of teaching or, i have the gift of wisdom or man i love to work with kids or i love to greet people it, it could be i could be i love to fix computers i love coffee it could be all kinds of things the second one could be just just have fun with it okay share something that you're really awful at mine is i can't fix or build anything to save my, like i'm horrible So if you, like, have a problem at your house, like, I'll go and pray for you, and, like, I'll hold your tools for you, but I I can't do anything. And I also, I always joke in our regen community meetings that I can't, like, I'm a zero on the, there's, like, a woodworking section for some reason on this one test we do, and then there's a a music test, and I'm, like, a zero. Like, don't, I cannot help Luke and the band at all, and I, I will never do it. So three minutes, grab three or four people, and answer these two questions, okay? So go for it. It might be a tiny bit awkward. Push through the awkwardness find somebody near you it's okay just take the lead somebody if somebody if your neighbor needs it take the lead you got three minutes Ask you to wrap it up <laughs> some of you want to go longer sorry continue the conversation after church okay okay no but hey, seriously hopefully you just made a friend feel free to keep talking after the service there's nothing happening right after you can hang out and talk or go to lunch um, whatever you want to do so hopefully this sunk in over the last three minutes but here is the reality that Paul writes about about the Corinthian Church, and here's the reality of us: We are very different people, right? In this room, probably even in your circle, there are people who are very different, unique people with unique gifts, unique interests, unique experiences. We are different in the gifts and the, the talents we have. We're also different in our background. We are different in where we are descendants of, where our families come from, what our families' experiences were. We are different in our socioeconomic realities that we face every day. We are different people, but we are one body with one God, with one spirit tying us together, empowering us to work together. Paul mentions that how they had whether you were Jew or Greek, slave or free, but you're still one body. And today, we wrestle with the fact that it is vital for a community that we can take our uniqueness and take our difference and bring it together for the good of the body, for the common good, honoring the same spirit that gave different gifts to each one of us. I'm gonna look at verses 15 to 17. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a, p- a part of the body. Have you ever been a foot and wished you were a hand, so to speak? <laughs> One honest, couple of honest people. Have you ever been an ear and wished you were an eye? So if, if we're honest both in our church community and in our life in general, most of us have moments where we see the gifts that other people have and we see how vital they are in the body. You know, you see Luke playing the guitar and you're like, man, he's obviously an important part of this service, right? And sometimes you think, oh, if I'm not that, then I'm not really a part of the body. And Paul says, no. Just because you're not that part of the body that looks cool, or that part of the body that's on a stage, or that part of the body that's louder, or that part of the body whose gift, for whatever reason, is acknowledged more, that doesn't mean you're not part of the body. If you're an ankle, or if you're a toe, or if you're a pinky, you're still a part of the body. And Paul is saying, We still need you. The body still needs you. We need you. We need each other in this body, all of us. Verse 17 says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? So I'll just pick on Luke, just cause he's here. And I know him enough, I think it's okay. Right, like Luke was just playing the guitar, and we all saw him, and it was, it was cool. I enjoyed, I enjoyed worshiping, right? This group helped me into God's presence. But if all of us were Luke, there'd be no church, right? If, if all of us were like I need to be on the stage with a guitar, <laughs> there's no church. If all of us said, I'm, now I'm just gonna pick, if all of us said I need to be Doug Hewitt and be a cafe person who starts like coffee nonprofits and serves in the cafe, there's no church, right? If we, if we all do that, there's no, there's no church It doesn't work. We can't all do those things. So Paul is like hitting this point home, You can't all be like that. Even if certain things are attractive and certain gifts are attractive or certain parts of the body you'd like to be, it doesn't work. But you're an important part of this body. Now verse 21 hits hits it from a different angle. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Now, no matter what beautiful epic gift God has given you to bring to this church, you still need the other people in the body. You still need everybody else. And you need to honor everybody else and acknowledge everybody else and appreciate everybody else and welcome everybody else and acknowledge whatever gifts that they have. Even if they don't seem honorable or seem beautiful, look for those gifts and honor them and help them bring them out into this body. If you're the head, you got to honor the toe and appreciate the toe. Um, I hope you don't hate my basketball illustrations, but... In in the NBA, professional basketball, people want to be in the NBA and stay in it. And um, every year, there's somebody who was really famous, who scored a lot of points when they were younger in basketball, who no team wants anymore. And there's always a bunch of articles. Why doesn't anybody sign so-and-so? They just scored 20 points a game two years ago, and nobody wants to sign them. And then there are a slew of articles saying, well, the thing is, they don't get along with other people very well. Like, they can, they can score, but they don't care about their whole team. They don't care about the guy who plays defense, and the person who hustles, and the person on the end of the bench, and the coach. They don't get along, and they're not humble, and they don't appreciate everybody else's gifts. So at some point, the NBA team say, we don't really want you around anymore, because we can get somebody else who can score almost as good as you, who is actually a good teammate for the whole team makes our whole team better. So thankfully, we don't serve a God who kicks us out when we're not good enough anymore, and kicks us out of the NBA, but there's a reality. You can have all the gifts and talents in the world, but Paul is writing, you can't think that you're better than other people. You can't think, that and you can't think that I can do my gift all on my own. Just let me get to church and I can just do my thing. I'm really good at whatever it is. I'm really good in my home group or in my friend group at this, so just let me do this and leave me alone. It, it doesn't, doesn't work that way. Paul says, no, you can't do that. You need the toe and the elbow. I was thinking about like the wrinkly part under the elbow. Like what is, like, but you need it because it wouldn't work, right? Unless you had the skin. And Paul's like, no, you need all of it. And you can't say, I don't need you over there. We need each other. And Paul writes here that those of us in the body who seem weaker, or who seem less honorable. We're actually supposed to give them the most honor. To honor them. To care for them selflessly. To reach out to them. To make them feel at home. And to, and to bestow the honor upon them as God's children that they deserve. And not just keep honoring people with certain gifts. And certain kind of cooler talents. Or talents on a stage. But honor those who are weaker. So those moments, I bet you've had a moment in your life where somebody in some setting said, hey, I'm glad you're here. Have you ever had that, like at a family gathering or a church gathering, and somebody made a point to say, I'm really glad you're a part of this. Or someone said, Chelsea, thank you for serving in the children's ministry. Like, it really helped my daughter. I've never told her that. I just thought of it. I've I've never gone to Chelsea and said, hey, Just so you know, my daughter thinks you're great. I didn't think of it until she was on a stage, right? And then I thought about, oh, I should have told Chelsea, thank you, something you do matters. So these little points at which we tell people what you do matters actually mean something. Um, Now, the reality is certain gifts get greater honor. And Paul writes this, certain gifts get all this honor, right? Certain parts of the body get more honor, some get less honor. Um, But we all need to be encouraged and given honor. I was thinking one of the first Sundays I preached here, somebody, I don't even remember who, like came up and was like in a really sincere but simple way said, hey, I'm really glad you and your family are here. And something in that little moment God used to make me feel okay. You know, I was like tired, I was hungry, I was like, I just preached, was that okay? Somebody said, I'm really glad you're here. Now the reality is, just to be blunt, like I get to be on a stage. Right? I, I, I get to sit on the stage, I mean, and in, in the ways of the world, like I'm a middle-class, able-bodied, straight white man. So I get certain kinds of privilege, right? I'm okay. And I get to be on a stage, right? So I get a certain amount of honor just to be on a stage. But I need somebody sometimes to say, hey, I'm, I'm, thanks, I appreciate you. So if the guy that gets to be on the stage for a half hour needs somebody to say, hey, I appreciate you, Do you think the person sweeping the steps out front needs somebody to say, hey, I appreciate you. Hi, you're a part of the body. Do you think the person who comes in and doesn't have a friend and is new and sits in the back pew, you know, by themselves needs somebody to say, hey, I'm glad you're here. I am glad you're with us. Hi, I'm so-and-so. Those things matter. Now, Paul reiterates a lot at the end. Paul writes some more, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. But the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you, now you, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. So what I find fascinating, I think Paul writes this epic illustration of the body. I think it's brilliant. Illustration of the body of Christ, right? The feet and the elbow, I think it's brilliant. And then he gets to the end and says, but I'll still show you a more excellent way. So I showed you this about gifts, but let me show you a more excellent way, what's really important. And he goes into this section in chapter 13, that is often read at weddings, and that applies, and it's beautiful. Um, But this section about love was Paul wrapping up his section about the body of Christ, and our various gifts, and our body life. Paul wraps up that section by saying, but let me show you a more excellent way of what I'm, here's what I really want to get at. Okay, I got this. Here's the more excellent way. So I'm going to actually read that um, as a way of closing the sermon this morning. I will show you a more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So as we consider the body and what we bring to the body and honoring all the parts of the body and how important we are in the body, All these gifts, Paul says, okay, but you've got to love each other. You have to love the other parts of the body, every one. If you have all the greatest gifts in the world, but you can't love each other, then it doesn't work. It's nothing. So let us learn and strive to love all the other parts of the body. Amen? Amen? I'm going to say a prayer for us, and the worship team is going to come forward in a moment. Dear God, we are all different in this room, but God, you made us, and you made us with different gifts, uh, different things that come naturally to us, different ways that we can serve each other in this body. God, would you encourage us that we all have a place? Would you encourage us that we all have gifts to share? They are all different, but we all have gifts to bring to this body of Christ. And God, let us in this body honor each other. Let us be intentional about showing honor and love and care for every person in the body and all of our beautiful differences that you've given us, God. Um, In Jesus' name we pray, amen.